This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. It's Zoomer Radio's Theater of the Mind with Frank Proctor. Open your mind as we fill your head with amazing thrills, chills, <laughs> and laughs. Theater of the Mind, the best love programs from radio's golden age, only on Zoomer Radio. Now, here is your master storyteller, Frank Proctor. Well, thank you, and welcome to the show. You know, I'm always on the lookout for new old shows to introduce to the lineup here on Theater of the Mind, and I think I've found a goodie. Cloak and Dagger was an adventure radio series on NBC, adapted from Corey Ford and Alistair McBain's book of the same title. The story ran during World War II, where OSS agents took dangerous missions without any assurance they may return alive. The director of the show was Sherman Marks, and the cast, Everett Sloan, Raymond Jackson, Beck, and Edward Johnson. The show only aired from May 7th to October 22nd of 1950. So let me take you back to the 50s when those war years were still fresh in the minds of Canadians and we were just getting over the fact that we had to exist on rations and everyone was concerned with what was happening in Europe thanks to Adolf Hitler and the Gestapo. Here is the episode entitled... Direct line to bombers, cloak and dagger. Are you willing to undertake a dangerous mission behind the enemy lines, knowing you may never return alive? What you have just heard is the question asked during the war to agents of the OSS, ordinary citizens who to this question answered, yes. This is cloak. And dagger. Black warfare. Espionage, international intrigue. These are the weapons of the OSS. Today's adventure, direct line to bombers... The story of an American OSS agent who, during the height of the war, directed from the streets of Berlin an American attack, is suggested by actual incidents recorded in the Washington files of the Office of Strategic Services. A story that can now be told. After you get back from a mission, you sit around and there's nothing to do but sit around. So that's what I did. I sat in a room in Milton Hall in England where OSS agents are trained. I thought about the restaurant on 6th Avenue I wanted to open after the war. I was never so bored in my life. Yeah. Hey, uh, Nicky, the colonel wants to see you. Very important. Okay, pal. Tell my pal, the colonel, I'll be there and win the war for him. Da 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 da. And that was how it all began, November 1944. After that, I didn't have time to be bored. 
I know you've just come back from a mission in France, Lieutenant, so it's strictly up to you if you want to go out again immediately. Oh, now listen, pal. I mean, uh, Colonel. <laughs> if I have to sit around here and do nothing, I'll blow my tongue. Uh, you um, speak German, don't you? Well enough to know that Hitler speaks a lousy German, full of grammatical errors. I, if I see him, I'll tell him. You may be closer to him than you think. Corporal? Yes, Colonel. Send in Professor Warburg. That's how I met the professor. He was a little guy with a beard. He weighed about as much as 10 cents worth of liver. And he reminded me of my chemistry teacher back in Lincoln Junior High School. Professor, tell Lieutenant Olesnikos just what you told me. With the greatest of pleasure, Colonel. Lieutenant, I am an escaped political prisoner of the Nazis, and I am here in England illegally. And you just walked into headquarters and told that to the Colonel, huh? Did you know you can be interned? I know that very well. But I can no longer sit by and be idle while I have a plan that I know can help the Allies. Uh, what, uh... Professor Warburg suggests, Lieutenant, is that he be parachuted into Germany with another agent, make his way to Berlin. I, uh, I assure you, I can move about Berlin blindfolded. I know it well. Berlin? This could be interesting. What then? Then, with a radio transmitter, we could pinpoint military targets to American planes overhead. We could direct bombs from the streets of Berlin itself. Wait a minute. Walk around with a walkie-talkie in the middle of a raid carrying on conversation with bombers? When do we leave, pal? I am ready any time. Today? Tomorrow? Yesterday? The professor may have been ready yesterday, but the OSS wasn't. First, we were briefed for weeks how to get food coupons in Berlin, how to buy a railroad ticket, how to post a letter, how to greet a German officer in the street. Little things, uh, an American cigarette, an English match, a laundry mark would give us away. And there were big things, too. We were grilled for hours on cover stories. Forgeries became documents. Fiction became fact. Passes, stamps, signatures. Everything authentic, everything ersatz, including my manners and habits. But I was ready to pass as a citizen of Berlin. And then a plane took us high over German soil, and we jumped. It, Nicky. Yeah? It's only a few kilometers to Berlin. We can walk it. Make it before daylight. We should find the farmer who owns this field and say Dankeschön for providing us with so ideal a landing place. <laughs> yeah, we'll send him a letter sometime. Right now, let's get out of here. You will wait where you are. Kindly keep your hands in the air. Unless you want that I blow your heads off. Or that my dog tear you to bits. Quiet, one. Been a good dog keeping so still. Well, as your farmer, Professor, you still want to say danke, sir? Sit still, do not talk. You, uh, you have made a mistake, my friend. My companion and I got lost trying to find the road. We, we came by accident on your field. That's right. We both of us only recently discharged from the army. If you would care to see our papers right here in this knapsack. I... If you don't keep your hands up, I will let the dog go for your throat. 
I do not care to see your papers. I saw you parachute from an American plane. Uh-oh. Walk now to the barn. Rolf will see to it that you stay there. Won't you, Rolf? The German farmer left us in the barn and he didn't have to lock the door. That big black Doberman with the impatient fangs watched us as if he wanted us to make a move so we could jump. Oh, if we get out of this, my friend, I shall never again be a dog lover. Professor, don't move, don't turn your head, just listen to me. Yeah, I'm listening. There's some harness straps hanging on a hook right over my head. I noticed them when I came in. If I can pull them down fast enough, I'll throw them over the dog when he leaps, try to untangle him. Yeah, but... There's some horse blankets near you. When I pull down the straps, throw the blanket over him. It's got to be fast. Better work. I'm ready. On three, then. One. Nice, boy. Nice, nice, big, ugly mutt. Two. Three. The harness caught on the nail as I tried to pull it down, and the dog leaped at my neck. And then the nail came off, too, and the straps fell across the dog's snout. The professor flung the blankets over the dog's head. I, I have him, Nicky, but I can't hold him. The shovel? Where's that shovel I saw? Hurry, hurry, I can't hold him. Now, I hid him again and again. And then suddenly the only sound in the barn was the dull thud of the shovel. The dog didn't move or make a sound. He never would again. We had better get out now. Yeah, let's go. Ah, the smell of a bakery is always good. Oh, how fortunate it is. I have only this morning made Pfefferkuchen, Josef. Just the way you always liked it. <laughs> how good to see you again, Anna. I told my friend Nikki that you would take us in, help us. Natürlich, Nikki. I will do anything I can. We, we may stay here then, huh, Anna? Oh. If all goes well, we will leave right after the raid tomorrow night. Yeah, 24 hours, all we need. Of course, you may stay. I still live above the bakery. There is an extra room. My grandson, Emil, will not be home from the youth camp for a week. Youth camp? What could I do, Nikki? What could anyone do in these days in Berlin but ride with the wind? Until there is a chance to fight against it. Helping you and your mission will give me my chance. Little Emil, eight years ago seemed like only yesterday. I used to sit with him on my lap here in this bakery and twirl my gold watch on the chain for him. Remember, Anna, how he laughed? Yeah, I remember. He has forgotten you by now. And you would not know him. He's 13 years old. Oh, 13 years old. Already they have poisoned his mind. I cannot get to him. I do not dare. He's a little parrot speaking only what is taught him. Uh, Nicky, some more coffee? No, thank you, Frau Leitner. More pfefferkuchen or apfelstrudel. A specialty of my shop, apfelstrudel. No, thanks. Six years ago, at this very table, I had Emil on my lap when the Gestapo walked in and arrested me. Mm. They did not like what I taught in their school. What's that? Someone's coming. I don't know who it can be. Customers never come by this late. Grandmother, surprise, I'm home. Emil! What is, man? 
Emil, your manners. These are friends just uh, passing through Berlin. They are just staying the night. This is Herr Neudek and Herr Josef. Heil Hitler. Oh, yes, of course. Heil Hitler. I did not expect you until next week, Emil. How is it you are here so early? I won a great honor, which I want to tell you about. I did not know I'd have to share to a stranger. Shame, Emil. These men are, were soldiers of the fatherland. Yeah? Yes, Emil, we were both with the elite guard of one of Rommel's panzer divisions. Rommel? Yes, uh, that is before we received our medical discharges. Oh, Rommel. <laughs> Sit down, my boy. I will bring you something to eat, yeah? Don't you want to hear about the honor I received? Look, grandmother. On my sleeve. A red swastika. Yeah, red for the youth movement. And a swastika because I learned my lessons faster than the others. The commander chief of the whole youth movement awarded me my swastika. And he told me I could take my vacation a week early. Are you proud of me, grandmother? Yeah, my boy. Yeah. Let me get you something to eat. Oh, no, 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 I'm too tired. Going up to bed. Grandmother said you were staying here. Will I see you in the morning, gentlemen? Well, I'm not sure. Oh, they will be here. Now that you are home, Emil, I will sleep on the couch and give them my room. No, no, please. Oh, it is all right. It is settled. Good. Perhaps then, Herr Josef, you will tell me about Rahman. A great leader. Yes, yes, perhaps. Uh, we will see you in the morning, Emil. Why do you stare at me? Do I stare, boy? I thought so. Have I met you before, Herr Josef? No, I am sure not. Your face. Ever since I came in. Grandmother, have I met him here before? No, no, Emil. Herr Josef was here before you were born even. You have never seen him. It has been years, <laughs> 15 maybe, <laughs> before you were born. <laughs> I suppose so. Well... Night. Professor, he wouldn't remember, would he? Oh, how could he, Nicky? He was a baby that last day Josef saw him, barely five years old. And the professor was 30 pounds heavier at least, and clean shaved. Yeah, yeah, Anna is right, Nicky. Do not worry. He could not remember. Do not worry. <laughs> But I couldn't help worrying. I lay awake half the night thinking about that kid in the room next door. The 13-year-old puppet with the new red swastika. It was just a feeling. I had a funny kind of feeling at the pit of my stomach that made me wish they'd kept him in that youth camp until after we were gone. When I got up, the sun had been up for hours, and so had the professor... I went downstairs to the bakery. There was a smell of fresh bread baking, and I knew Frau Leitner was in the kitchen. But the professor was sitting at the table, swinging his watch on the gold chain and talking well, to that uh, German quiz what kid. What else have you learned, Emil? But why do you want to know? Oh, I'm just interested. I want to see how well you have earned that swastika. I stood at the <laughs> bottom of the stairs me. and listened. We have a leader who has revolutionized Germany. He is the greatest man who ever was or will be. When I joined the Führer's organization, the man in charge said, Join no organization but this. Forward, forward, the banner leads us to eternity. Oh, you have learned your lesson well. Hmm? Uh, Joseph, are you sure I have never seen you before? 
Of course not, my boy. I seem to remember. Hey, Joseph. Ah, good morning, Herr Neudeck. Uh, since we're just passing through Berlin, don't you think we ought to see a few of them? The sights before we leave. Yeah, yeah, you are right. We will leave now. Uh, perhaps later, Emil, we will talk more. The raid was scheduled for that night. The professor and I had a lot of work to do. We made arrangements to meet about 4.30 that afternoon at a tavern on Wilhelmstrasse. We went separate ways. I did a lot of walking. And I made a lot of notes in my head. The Klingenberg power plant was still functioning. The Ostkreutz junction of the city railroad had been repaired. There was an ammunition dump on the north side that our bombers couldn't see from the air. It's a nice day. A lot of Germans were walking the streets. And I made a lot of notes in my head. <laughs> Wish to order now, mein Herr. Nein, nein, later. I am waiting for a friend. The professor was 15 minutes late and I started getting nervous. Maybe somebody had recognized him. I sat there and sweated it out. 15 minutes, 20 minutes, half hour. And then he finally came. But he wasn't alone. Herr Neudeck, this is Hauptmann Müller. I'm uh, we, uh, we met only this afternoon, and I uh, invited him to come and have dinner with us. <laughs> it was not quite that way, Henry. It was I who insisted upon coming alone. I, uh, give it, sit down. You were with one of Rommel's panzer divisions, I understand. Yes, we were only recently discharged from the army. Myself, I am just back. <laughs> we will have much to talk about. Where is that stupid waiter? Never around when you need them. Uh, he will be here presently. Uh, presently is not soon enough. I will go to see him myself. I'll be right back. Where did you pick him up? He found me, my friend. There is a reservoir near the rail line. I was looking around. I, I think he was a little suspicious at first, but when I told him I was with Rommel, he became more friendly. Yeah. <laughs> I am beginning to believe I was in Africa myself. Just the same. I wish you could have shaken him. What did you find out? It was a profitable afternoon. And you? Profitable afternoon. Good. Shh, he comes back. <laughs> ah, yes. At first, it seems strange to me that Herr Josef here should show so much interest in the reservoir. <laughs> well, I, I was merely taking a stroll, getting reacquainted with Berlin. <laughs> then I watched you. I saw you walk down towards the rail line. That was when I stopped you and began to talk. We are both glad you did, Herr Hauptmann. Give us this opportunity to get acquainted. Yeah, yeah. Hope we shall see more of you while we're in the capital. Uh, perhaps, Neudeck. Perhaps you shall see a great deal of me. I think I shall call the waiter and order some brandy. Oh, oh I see. You have not yet finished your meal, Neudeck. Still eating. It's very good. Our diet at the hospital was not so varied. No doubt. No doubt. Everything I ate stuck in my throat. I know. One of the nurses. down. 
I knew that German officer was watching me as he talked. Watching me strangely, and I didn't know why. I knew that something was wrong, and I didn't know why. Professor felt it, too. Her name is Gertrude, little Fräulein, I tell you about. And she has friends. Oh, very pretty friends. Uh, you would like to meet them, perhaps? Yes, we would like to very much, Herr Hauptmann. How you would have enjoyed them. We might have had great fun together. All of us. Unfortunately, you may be otherwise engaged with the Gestapo. What, what, what did you say, Herr Hauptmann? I have been watching you all through dinner, Herr Neudeck. You are an American. Do not I, move, either of you. I have my hand on my gun. Well, surely you're, you're joking. No, European. It's the way you do. To change the fork from the left hand to the right after the knife is used. At first, it escaped me. I just knew something bothered me. Then I realized what it was. It there it was. The little was thing the that could thing. put a rope around Only my neck. American. Hold the fork sideways in the right hand. In my nervousness, I'd forgotten a little thing like that European yeah. manner of eating. The Gestapo will be very pleased. The sharp knife I'd been eating with was still in my hand. Almost as if it moved by itself, it disappeared under the table and halfway into the German office. Good work, Mickey. Good. I was stupid to get myself into that jam in the first place. We're not out of this yet. Waiter. Waiter. I'm on here. Check, please. A friend has had a little too much to drink. We will take him home. Yeah, yeah, right away. Between the two of us, we managed to get him out of there. His head was rocking back and forth like a drunk. The knife was still in him, so the blood didn't flow very much. He kept his cape around him. All right. There is no one around here, Nicky. We can dump him behind this shed. All right, we're beginning to leave a trail a mile long. <coughs> so long, pal. It's nice meeting you. Come on, Professor. Let's go. When we got back to the bakery, there was more trouble waiting for us. Trouble 61 inches high, weighing about 110 pounds, wearing a new red swastika on his arm. Uh, they're in the kitchen. Something is wrong. I don't like the sound of that. Come on. This morning when we were that watch on the chain, I thought I remembered something. And just now, how I feel? Oh, you have never seen Herr Josef before. I have when I was very little. They could stop they arrested a man with a gold watch and a chain. I tell you, he is the same one. Emil, they do not even look alike. And what about boy? this? This broadcast radio I found hidden in your bedroom in a hat box. I, I... It's called a walkie-talkie, Emil. What? Give it back to me. Nick, you have come back. You see, you see, we've wasted time. I should have gone to the authorities right away. They have tricked you, grandmother. He knows, Anna. I am afraid to... I've been holding him here, hoping you would return. What did you say? You knew, grandmother, didn't you? They didn't trick you at all, traitor. You're a traitor, too. Amy, get Amy, away from me. I hate you. Me. I hate you. Nicky, get, get him. He's trying to run. Yeah, I've got him. Let me go. Let me go. Report to the Gestapo. They kill you. They have you shot. You're not going to report oh. anyone. What will I do with him? Oh, upstairs, his bedroom. Oh, Lock him there until after you have gone. Right. Let go of me. Get your hands on me. I hate you. I hate you all. Let me go. 
you will have to come with us when we leave here tonight, Anna. You cannot stay now. The professor is right, Frau Leitner. That kid upstairs will turn you over to the Nazis so fast you won't know what happened to you. My little Emil, turn me in. Josef, would he? Yeah, I'm afraid he would, Anna. It is best that you come with us. We are going to try to get through the lines into France. Once there, there are underground workers who will help us. Yeah. Nicky, is it all right if I bring this tray of food up to him? He has not eaten. He's still such a little boy. Yeah, sure, sure. You right, take it up, but don't untie his hands, remember? Yes, I will remember. The raid ought to start soon. Let's go over this map, make sure we have everything right. Huh? Yeah. Now, the rail line is here. Mm -hmm. Sector 2, grid B3. If our bombers knock that out, Berlin's transportation is completely crippled. And here on the map, power plant is in sector 6, grid G5. Mickey, he's gone. What did you What? <laughs> yeah, his hands. He got them loose. He lowered himself from the window with the bedsheet. What are we to do? He'll bring the Gestapo back with him. We don't know how long he's been gone. Professor, the window, quick. Yeah. The, uh, ah, the back door. There, there is a car coming. I there can is, see it. There is an alley and Now, we look, can... look, no time. They'll have this place surrounded. How do you get to the roof? The roof? Yeah, yeah. Up those stairs. We can go to, to the other rooftops and perhaps escape. There better be no perhaps about it. <laughs> We went up to the attic stairs and onto the roof. You could see the Germans from there. Four of them in black shirts spilled out of an armored car. Two of them broke in through the front door. Two of them started around to the rear. And then we heard Emil. Emil, my boy. Anna. Nikki. Nikki, she's dead. Well, it won't do her any good if we stay here. Come on, across the parapet. Eric. Oh, that's music to my ears. At least it'll keep them from getting more help right now. Stay where you are. Surrender now and it will go easier with you. Come and get us, pal. One of them did try to come and get us. And he got it first. Right between the eyes. He swayed for a few seconds back and forth and then he fell off the roof onto the street. Ah, that's one of them, Nikki. There are only two left. Two? What happened to the third? Nikki, was behind you! Fourth Nazi had come up the other way through somebody else's attic and onto the roof behind. Get your hands up! Now there are just two left, Professor. I... Hey, Professor, what is it? My... my leg. I can't move it. I can't go any further, Nikki. <laughs> What happened afterwards was a nightmare. It was as if the earth cracked wide open. It was red hot burning, and the noise of the planes and the agag and the German guns and the bombing made my, my stomach turn. We crouched behind a parapet, and I held them off while the professor directed the bombers. Attention! Attention, bombers! The Klingenberg power plant is still functioning and supplies electric power to vital industries. Bomb Sector 6, Grid G5. The Ostkreuz junction of the city railroad has been repaired. Knock it out, and all traffic in Berlin will be stopped. Sector 2, grid B3. All right. Go now, Nikki, while there is a chance. 
I can hold them off long enough for you to get away. I can't leave you here. No, no, they won't take me. Don't worry. Now look out, Charlie. You will make it. Come on. Listen. Listen to me, Nikki. Go across the next two rooftops and then down through the skylight. There is a tailor shop. Yeah, but Professor... Go out the back door there. It leads to an alley. Once over the fence, under cover of the rage, you can make it. Now look, I won't go without you. All right. I will change your mind. Attention! Attention, bombers! Hey, what are you doing? Attention, bombers! Imperative! Wait two minutes and bomb crossroads at sector seven, grid D3. Hey, Professor, what are you doing? You're crazy. That's here, this sector. Go on, run. Run, Nikki. I'll cover you. I ran. I stumbled and fell and got up and ran again. When I got down in the alley through the tailor shop, I kept on running. And then the bomb fell and the concussion rocked the ground and I went flat on my face. When I looked back, I knew that our bombers had made another direct hit. The professor had not only held off the Germans while I got away, but kept them there until it was too late for any of them. A little German bakery that specialized in Apfelstreudel folded up as made of matchsticks. Somewhere in the wreckage, the professor with his gold watch and chain was buried under it. And overhead, the planes headed back. There was nothing left for me there. I headed back, too. Lieutenant Gus Olesnikus made his way to France and after months from there to England. But his direction of the bombing raid from the target itself kept some of Berlin's major industries crippled and its transportation system paralyzed. And once again, the report of an OSS agent closes with the words... Mission accomplished. Listen next week when we again present... Cloak and Dagger. in today's Cloak and Dagger adventure were Everett Sloan, Bill Zuckert, Lily Darvoss, Barry Kroger, Michael Artist, Raymond Edward Johnson, Carl Weber, Jerry Jarrett, Bobby Weil, and Brad Barker. Script was written by Winifred Wolfe and Jack Gordon. Music was under the direction of John Garth. Today's true OSS adventure was based on the book Cloak and Dagger by Corey Ford and Alistair McBain. This has been a Lewis G. Cowan production in association with Alfred Hollander, and was under the direction and supervision of Sherman Marks. Well, I hope you enjoyed that, and I'm sure that it brought back memories to any members of the Canadian Armed Forces or their families who might be tuned in tonight. Stay tuned for Boston Blackie next on Theater of the Mind. You're listening to Theater of the Mind on Zoomer Radio, AM 740 and 96.7 FM in downtown Toronto. Boston Blackie is a fictional character created by author Jack Boyle. Blackie, a jewel thief and safe tracker in Boyle stories, became a detective in adaptations for films, radio, and television. But the background to the creator of the series, Jack Boyle, is worth maybe a motion picture in itself. He grew up in Chicago, Illinois, and while working as a newspaper reporter in San Francisco, he became an opium addict and was drawn into crime and was jailed for writing bad checks, later convict of robbery.
He was serving a term in San Quentin when he created the character Boston Blackie, played by actor Chester Morris. Here's the episode entitled, Joe Gettys is Murdered. Sightseeing tour Chinatown with the mystery of the Orient, the glamour of the Far East. Now let's dip lively, that's right, folks. Our first stop is the Temple of Buddha, and then the Theater of the Orient with its delightful dancing girl. Hurry, Matilda. Hurry, we, we don't want to miss anything. Oh, there's no rush, Homer. Now let the others get out of the bus first. He'll wait for us. Mm-hmm. You can't fool me, Homer Fawcett. You want to see those dancing girls. <laughs> All right, Matilda. We can leave now. Oh, uh, what about this young man in front of us? He's asleep. I know. He slept through the better part of this tour. Well, let's wake him. I'm sure he doesn't want to miss any of Chinatown. Well, hey, young man, uh, wake up. We're in Chinatown. Homer, speak louder. Oh. Shake him by the shoulder. Oh, wait till I get up. All right, young man. Oh, oh my. He's falling from his feet. Oh, catch him, Homer. I, I, I can't. Oh. oh, Homer, there's something wrong with that young man. But you're right, Matilda. There is something wrong with him. Oh, my there's heaven. a knife in his chest. Oh, dear, dear. He, he's been murdered. Oh. And now on to Dick Calmer as Boston Blackie. Enemy to those who make him an enemy. Friend to those who have no friends. This is really a sightseeing tour. Thirty-five dollars is the last bid for this lovely antique vase, ladies and gentlemen. Do I hear forty? Do I hear thirty-seven? Thirty-five dollars going once, going twice. Sold to the lovely lady in the green hat for thirty-five dollars. Now, uh, the next item we have for your pleasure is an imported genuine... Oh, excuse me, just a minute, Paul, excuse me. Uh, what is it? Uh, just came in. He says he's got to see it. I'll take over. Okay. All right, folks. Now, the next item that we have for your pleasure is a genuine imported... What's so important, please, eh? I got good news for you, Slocum. Okay, let's hear it. I found Joe Gates. Where is he? Oh, you don't have to worry about him. I spotted him getting on a sightseeing bus to Chinatown. Uh-huh. He didn't see me until I sat down next to him. Are you sure I don't uh, have to worry about him? Yeah, I'm positive. And I've been thinking this job took me a little longer than I thought it would. So it should pay me a little more. I'm a reasonable man, BZ. How much more? $1,000 more. Uh-huh. How uh, did you... Uh... 
take care of him with a knife. Like this. Oh. Uh, can I see it? Yeah, sure, Slocum. Here. Just like any other knife. It had a friend, but I left it in Joe Gates. <laughs> you see? Just like any other knife. And uh, you're just like any other cheap killer. A no-good chump. Slocum. No, you're... <laughs> Thought you would blackmail me, hmm? I said I was a reasonable man, not a stupid one. Blackie? Yeah? What do you think? Well, I don't know, Mary. Uh, where would you get an antique? Uh, Gloria Stanton bought one, an, an authentic uh, Louis Couture chair at an auction gallery for only $15. Oh, really? And later offered $100 for it. $100 for a second-hand chair? Well, Jackie, it was an antique. Oh, I don't care what. Louis XIV sat on it years ago. Okay, but can anybody sit on it today? <laughs> oh, Blackie. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Mary. Say, Harry Slocum runs one of those auction rooms. Mm, who's Harry Slocum, friend of yours? No, no, he's a character who somehow manages to miss being put in jail. Right. He comes mighty close to it. And he runs an auction room. Yeah, mm -hmm. as a front for something illegal. Oh? I don't know what it is. <laughs> but, you know, wanting to buy a chair will give me an excuse to snoop around Slocum's auction room. After all, how far apart can iniquity and antiquity be? <laughs> Are there any more bids for this delicate set of bone china? Now, my last bid is $100. Do I hear 110 Do I hear 110 All right, then, going once for 100 Going twice for 100 Gone to the gentleman in the third row. Oh, good. Thank you. And that's all for this morning, folks. We'll see you again tomorrow. Hey, boss, I got rid of the suckers. What busy one? Too much, Cliff. I don't get the double talk, boy. And Beasy didn't get what he wanted. Hey, who's that on the floor? It's Beasy. Yes, we can't leave him there. Cliff, help me get him into this barrel. And then what? We're going to take the barrel down to my boat, and we're going to drop Beasy in the barrel into the water. Oh. Any more questions, Cliff? <laughs> Rollins. Yes, Inspector Faraday. You found all these identifications on the body? Yes, sir. Guy in the bus said the body hadn't been touched by any sightseers. Mm. Nothing was taken. Of course something was taken. What? There was no identification on him. Oh? No fingerprint record on him. There oh. were no laundry or cleaning marks on his clothes. So? Because all his stuff was brand new. Well? And who was he? I don't know. And what about the person who discovered the body? Well, that was an elderly couple. But the guide let him get away when he went to call him. Great. Guy is stabbed to death in the middle of a crowded bus. No identification, no nothing. That's right. You know, the only thing good about this case is Boston Blackie isn't on it. Hey, boss, how much further? A little more, Cliff. I want to get beyond the coast patrol. Oh, I don't like it. Suppose they catch it. They won't. Yeah, but if they make a stop, they'll find Beasy's body on his boat. I don't like it, I tell you. I should have left you in the auction room, Cliff. Who would think of looking in a barrel for a body? Nobody. I can't help it. I still don't like it. I didn't like killing him, but it had to be done. 
because he killed Joe Gates for me. He tried to blackmail me. All right, Cliff, you can cut the motor. What now, boss? Help me roll this barrel over to the side. Okay. Now, wait, hold it. Huh? I'll push it in the water yet. What are you doing with that gun, boss? I'm going to ventilate this barrel. What? Hey, you going crazy? The idea of shooting in that barrel. Beasy's dead, you know that. What's the idea? I'm just making sure that Beasy's body doesn't float to the surface after we dump it. Ah. With all those holes in the barrel, it'll sink right to the bottom. And I want Beasy to be gone a long time. Uh-huh. <laughs> okay, Cliff, lift. Here he goes. Not right. easy now. I don't want to stop over with the barrel. Okay, I got it. I rested on the rail. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Let's get this over with. Okay, Cliff. Now, do I hear any more bids for this genuine antique barrel? No? <laughs> well, going once, going twice. God. <laughs> so long, busy. All right, Cliff, let's get out of here. Blackie, the auction gallery's closed. In the middle of the day, Mary, something's wrong here. Huh? Must be another entrance. Come on. Well, uh, I suppose somebody's in there. Well, you want to buy a chair, don't you? Oh, sure. Oh, here's the side door. Oh, is it locked? If it is, it's going to be long. (laughs) And there we are. Be careful. Hmm. It's dark. Yeah, it sure is. Nobody in? It's all ours. Blackie, I I smell paint. Okay. That's where you're going now. Yeah. Follow me. Okay. Careful now. Mm-hmm. Oh, God. What's the matter? Oh, I think I got some paint on my sleeve. Don't hold it. Here's a light switch. Oh. Yeah. Oh. Shade of green looks uh, rather well with your dress, Mary. Oh. Hey, look around and let's get out of here. <laughs> okay. Hey, this place is loaded with stuff. All the dishes, tables, and lamps. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are some chairs. Hold it, Mary. Hmm? In front of you on the floor. Oh, looks like blood. It might be. And whoever put it there doesn't have much left. Somebody must have been in a hurry, Blackie. He left his hat there, too. Yeah. Paint on the hat. The same color as on the door frame up uh-huh. there. He must have been on the tall side. Initials inside the band, uh, B.J. B.J.? Huh. Mary, I think this B.J. left his blood, his hat, and his life here. Uh-oh. What are you going to do? Call Faraday. Might as well put him to work on this. See any phone? Uh, Yeah. On the desk there behind you. Oh, thanks. See anything else, Mary? No. No, I don't. Oh, nothing that'll help us, that is. Homicide, Faraday. This is Blackie, Inspector. Have you found any bodies lately? What am I, a ghoul? Sometimes I wonder. I don't have any body. Uh, you have no head either, so that's abnormal enough. Oh. Uh, what about the dead body you've got down at the headquarters right now? Hey, were you on that sightseeing bus? Oh, is that where you found him? As if you didn't know. Well, have you identified him yet? We're working on it. Good. Look, Blackie. Faraday, his, his, his initials are B.J. Oh, well, that makes everything nice and easy. There can't be more than a million people with those initials. Well, look, you've got to do some work, you know. Oh, well. I can tell you what the body looks like. He looks like he was dead. Okay, genius, I'm listening. He's about six foot one and wears a hat size uh, uh, seven and an eight. I got news for you, genius. What? 
The corpse is 5'4". His head size is six and a half. Huh? Goodbye, genius. I'm busy. Back to Boston Blackie. Beasy Jones, a killer, trails Joe Gates on a sightseeing bus and stabs him to death. When Beasy tries to get more money for the job from Boss Slocum, owner of an auction room, Slocum kills Beasy and dumps him in the ocean. Because Mary wants to buy a chair, Blackie uses this as a pretext to search Slocum's place. Blackie finds a puddle of blood and a hat with the initials B.J. in it. Blackie calls Inspector Faraday, but Faraday is working on the murder of Joe Gates, and Beasy's death has not as yet been reported. As we return to our story, Homer and Matilda Foster, the elderly couple who discovered Joe's body on the sightseeing bus, are coming to see Inspector Faraday. Hey, come along, Homer. All right, Matilda. Inspector Faraday's office is right down here in this car there. Oh, Matilda, do you think we should? Oh, it's our duty. Well, I suppose you'll murder running loose, and we might help the inspector catch him. Well, I hope we do. Here's the office. Come in. Inspector Faraday? You know, he is in just now. Then what are you doing in his office? Oh, I'm waiting for him. Can I help you? Yeah, well, we're here to see the justice is done. We are going to help the inspector solve the murder. Well, up till now, that's been my exclusive privilege. Tilda, don't you recognize this man? No, I... He's Boston Blackie. <laughs> well, so he is. <laughs> Wait till the girls in cozy corner here about this. <laughs> you must be helping the inspector find the murderer of that nice young man on the sightseeing bus. Oh, were you on that bus? Oh, we sat right behind the young man. Yes, and we were the ones who discovered he was dead. Yeah. Now, we figured that that young man must have been stabbed to death by the fellow sitting next to him. Well. And we saw that other man. Oh. Didn't we, Homer? Well, we certainly did. You saw the other man? Did you get a good look at him? I should say we did. Well, I He was a big man with a scar on the left side of his face. Yes. And he had dark hair. And he was wearing a gray felt hat with a snap rim. You found the man? Uh, no. Just a hat. Oh. oh. Now, think hard, will you please? Uh, did this man... With a scar, have bushy eyebrows. Yes, yes. Blackie, you know the killer. I think I do. He's Beasy Jones. He's a cheap hood. A uh, cheap hood. See, Homer. See, I told you we'd help solve the case. Well, isn't that right, Blackie? <laughs> Not quite. You see, uh, somebody killed Beasy. Uh. Now we have to find the killer's killer. Oh. <laughs> Me, boss, Cliff. The next time I won't miss, Cliff. You gone crazy? Put that gun down. No, you ain't gonna get rid of me like you did Beasy. Now, where did you get such a fool idea? That's the way you operate. I know you. First, Beasy kills Joe Gates, and you kill Beasy, so nobody can trace it back to you. So what? Now you're gonna kill me because I know about Beasy and Joe. I'll be a sap, Cliff. I need you. Yeah. I trust you. Put that gun down. Oh, no, you're not gonna stuff me in an old barrel. Oh, of course I'm not. Now, Cliff. Uh, go on, put that gun down. Oh no, you're my right hand man, yeah. Cliff. I trust you. Sure. I need you, Cliff. Well, well, that's better. I don't know. Cliff, I couldn't kill you. After all, I don't have Joey or Beasy anymore. That's right. You're my right-hand man. I'm the only one that's left. 
Blackie, what are you doing behind my desk? I just wanted to see how the idle glass operates, Faraday. What kept you? What kept me? Yeah. Well, I'll tell you. It's like this. We've been trying to identify the body we found on the bus. Any luck? Yeah. We managed to get results once in a while. Corpse is Joe Gate. I know who killed him. Same way you identified a corpse you never saw? Well, I Look, Blackie, why don't you take a vacation from being a pest? Beat it. Relax, Faraday. I'm a taxpayer, and headquarters is civic property. Besides, the elderly couple who found Gates dead in the bus were just here. Yeah, well, where are they now? I sent them home. You what? They told me everything they knew. They described a guy sitting next to Gates on the bus, and I'm sure it was B.Z. Jones. Mm, why didn't you say so? Now all we have to do is find B.Z. Jones. We have our case. You're not quite. Why not? B.Z.'s dead. Remember, I thought your corpse had the initials B.J.? Oh, so that was your corpse. All right, where is it? Well, I don't know. I was doing some investigating in the back of Slocum's auction. Slocum, where does he come into this? Now, what are you talking about? If you'll stop making so much noise, maybe you'll learn something. Okay, teacher, go ahead. But it better be good. It is. I found blood in the back of Slocum's place, and near the blood, a hat with the initials B.J. in it. Yeah, so? So, Slocum is supposed to be running a legitimate auction yeah, room. Yeah. But I think it's a front for stolen goods. There's your case, Faraday. Where? Gates tried to pull some kind of a stunt, so Slocum hired B.J. to take care of him. And then Slocum killed B.J. Yeah. It's all tied in with this racket in the auction room. Yeah. Why don't you investigate Slocum's play, Friday? Maybe you'll find auctions speak louder than words. Oh, I'm on a chair, Blackie. And Friday still is looking for a killer. Yeah. Look, Mary, I think I can wind up this case, but oh. I need your help. How about it? Well, I, I did want to get back to my place and change his dress. Well, well, what do you want me to do? You ought to go to Slocum. Yeah. And pose as B.C. Jones's girlfriend. Just call me Mabel. Well, that's the idea. Yeah. Uh, tell him B.C. told you all about the racket, mm-hmm. and the auction room being a front for stolen goods, and so forth. And and, and B.C. taking care of Joe Gates, of yeah. course. And tell him B.C. kept a record of all his work. You mean a, a diary? Uh, yeah, some sort of a little record book. Mm-hmm. And he's left it in your apartment, just in case anything happens to him. I get it. Now, your job is to get him to come to your apartment after that little book. Oh, yeah. I'll do the rest. Rollins. Yes, sir? Uh, bring in that sightseeing guide, will you? Yes, Inspector. I'll tell you. Come on in. Yeah, sure. Dear Inspector, I'm sorry I haven't been able to tell you more, but I couldn't help it if those people ran away when I went to call you. Sit down. Yes, sir. Uh, if you saw any of the people who were on the bus, would you recognize them? Oh, I sure would. I got a photographic memory. Mm-hmm. See it once? I always remember it. Yeah. Uh, Rollins, get me those photographs. Well, I got them right here. Here you are, sir. Thanks. Now, you say you got a photographic memory. You remember this face? man with the scar? Yeah, right here. Yeah, yeah, he was on a bus. He sat uh, right next to the guy who was killed. Okay, you can go now. That's all? Yeah, thanks. And so long. Oh, you're welcome. Ben Rollins, looks like Blackie was right. It was B.C. Jones who killed Joe Gates. Now all I got to do is figure out what happens next. <laughs> I'm, um, 
Excuse me, Mrs. Slocum. Well, we're not open for business today. Tomorrow. No, my business is private. And it can't wait. Oh. Well, down there, his office door is open. Thanks. Hello? What do you want? Mr. Slocum? Yeah. Beasy sent me. Beasy? Come in, close that door. Okay, now what's your story, sister? My name's Mabel Warren, and Beasy and I are going to be married. And he said he was coming here this morning to get paid for taking care of Joe for you. How did you know Let that? Let go of my arm. Beasy told me everything. He even kept a record of all his deals. You don't say. And I got it. Just in case anything happens to Beasy. You almost <laughs> had me fooled. Huh? You've been here before. That huh? green paint on your sleeve. You must have been around this morning after Beasy and I left. I don't know what you're talking about. I do, and I recognize you. You're Mary Wesley, I... Boston Blackie's girlfriend. Oh, no, Claire. I... Claire. You're crazy. Call me, boss? Yeah, I got a job for you. Well, I'm still painting that chair. I can wait. Uh, let go of me. No, I'm not Mary Wesley. I told you my I'll name take was... Take it Ma- easy, Miss Wesley. Cliff, this is Boston Blackie's girlfriend. What? I want you to take care of her. Oh, no. Uh, Cliff, I'm the boss, remember? I don't care. I give the orders. After all, you're my first assistant, and I trust you, remember? Here's a guy. I don't kill no dames, boss. That's out. Anything but that. It's either that or nothing, Cliff. I don't kill no dames. All right, then here goes nothing. No, boss, no! Oh, you... You killed him. You shouldn't have said no to me. I'm the boss, you see. I give the orders. Ah, don't try to get away. Well, what are you going to do? First, you're going to help me get Cliff's body in a barrel and onto my boat. Oh, now, look. I got Beezy's diary in my apartment. Oh, stop that. We're Let's not go. going near your apartment. Yes. This is one of Blackie's tricks. Yes. But, brother, did it backfire? Now, just remember this, Miss Wesley. Yeah. I'm not afraid to use this gun, so don't try to run. Blackie will take care of you. Blackie is in your apartment waiting for me to show. Oh, yeah? You didn't fool me. Oh, now, let's get the barrel out of the side of this truck. Come Go on, hurry me. Up. I don't... Now, grab one side. Oh, Go on. You're out of your mind. Is that bad? All right, now lift. I can roll this barrel down the gang, blacking on the boat myself, so I'll take care of you right now. Oh? Nice of you, Slocum. Blackie! Uh, oh, Blackie, am I glad to see you, but look out, he's got a gun. Yeah, and I can use it too, Blackie. Give you a chance to show me. Go on. Well, that takes care of Slocum. Yeah. He's draped over that bow. Oh, he sure does. Are you all right, Mary? Yes, Blackie, but how did you get here? You were supposed to meet me at my apartment. Well, when you left, I, I remembered the paint on your sleeve and realized that if Slocum saw it, mm-hmm. he'd put two and two together. He did, Blackie. He wanted one of his gunmen, Cliff, to kill me, but Cliff wouldn't, so Slocum killed him and stuffed him into this barrel. Uh-huh. It was awful. Now, take it easy, Mary. Yeah. How, uh, how did you get here? Well, when I realized what might happen, uh-huh. I got down to the auction room just in time to see you drive here with Slocum. Oh, boy, am I glad you did. Uh, what do we do now? Call Inspector Faraday and tell him we have his killer over a barrel. <laughs> Now, here is a preview of what happens next week. Oh, Mary, Blackie, 
what are you doing home on such a gorgeous day? Waiting for you to come over so we can take off for a drive in the country. Oh, well, what are we waiting for? Not a thing. Come on, let's... Uh, you want me to answer, Blackie, or should we ignore it? I'd better take it. Otherwise, I'll be wondering all day who is calling. <laughs> Hello. Hello. That's funny. Hmm? What's the matter? There was somebody on the phone and... When he heard my voice, he hung up. Yeah, you know what they say about uh, when a man answers. <laughs> oh, good night. Now there's somebody at the door. Well, I'll take it this time. Yes? What? Blackie? There's nobody out here. Oh, but there must be. Well, the hall's empty. Well, look, here's an envelope on the floor. Whoever rang the bell must have left it and run. No, well, let's see what it is. Come on, hurry. Okay, man. Take it easy. Okay. So, Blackie, what's in the envelope? Look to yourself. It's empty. First the phone rings, and nobody's at the other end. The doorbell rings, and the hall's empty. Huh. Now this envelope with nothing in it. Yeah. And the fact that nothing is in it means something's going on. Thanks for listening. Tomorrow night, it's Orson Welles and the Lives of Harry Lyme, followed by Archie Andrews. Thanks to Joel Schoenwell for technical support. The executive producer of Theater of the Mind is Moses Neimer. I'm Frank Proctor. Have a great evening. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.